hey everybody. Sounds like this mic is working. My name is Caden. Um, if you haven't met me, I'm from Georgia, just like Pastor Jacob. He's the reason why I'm here. So yeah, so I'm a summer intern. Jackson's a summer intern. Jose is a summer intern. Um, so yeah, we are super excited to be preaching with you guys. And I love junior high ministry. I was in middle school, just like you were one time, even though I may not, you may not realize that, right? But teens can be like really, really dumb sometimes, right? Do you guys agree with that? You guys have probably done some pretty dumb things, made a lot of mistakes, maybe caused your parents a lot of damage, right? Well, there's this one teen, which law enforcement did not disclose his name, but we're just going to call him Stewie, okay? So Stewie lived in Portland, Oregon, and he was going hiking with some friends, and Stewie thought, not Siri, sorry, Siri thought I said her name, Stewie thought it would be a good idea to light a firework at this national park. And so Stewie lit a smoke bomb, and he threw the smoke bomb off the side of a canyon. And what happened was that smoke bomb rolled down the hill, burst, and caught a tree on fire. And that forest fiver burnt for months. And this was six years ago in 2017. So not smart, right? One little firework caused a lot of damage. And that fire burned 47,000 acres of land which is equivalent to 2,047,320,000 square feet. You guys live in a house. Anybody live in a house? Average house, about 2,000 square feet, right? So if this fire would have happened at your house, it would have, been, it would have burnt a million of your houses. That's how big it was. The fire went for months. Stewie apologized. He came out, and he got sentenced to uh, prison and $36 million dollars. And it's crazy that all of this happened and all of these acres and all of this square footage got burnt and so many fines, right? But it all started from one small firework. So this one little thing, this one thought in Stewie's mind was, hey, I'm just going to you know, light this firework. It'll be funny. He just had this one thought and it turned into something massive. And we can think in our minds about things that start out really, really small and then get really, really big, right? Friendships are that way. Every friend that you've ever had that friendship started with just one word, right? Maybe it was just like a hi, nice to meet you, and now you guys are like best friends. Like you do everything together. But think about it. The, the years that you've spent with that person, the, the great friendship and relationship that you've built all started with just one word. Relationships are that way. You guys want to get married, right? Some of you guys might not get married. You know, I'm just, I'm just kidding. No. Everybody wants to get married, right? Everybody wants to have a relationship. I can assure you Pastor Jacob has a story about his first date with his wife, Amber, right? But their marriage and their life, they can all trace it back to the very first word, the very first time they looked at each other. And something so small and so little expanded into something so big. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And Jesus uses the parable of the mustard seed, which we can see on the slide, super cool, parable of the mustard seed and leaven, okay? And I can even think about Bible characters that started out really, really small and got really, really big, right? Anybody remember Gideon? Gideon was just a normal guy. He was out tending, you know, the vineyard, and God comes up to him, and he's like, hey, you're going to free my people from the Midianites. And he becomes this great, great warrior, right? King David, anybody remember King David's story? Samuel comes to his house. He had seven brothers, seven older brothers, and he was the youngest one. And his dad didn't even want him to see the prophet Samuel. But he became the king of Israel, and he was super, super short, right? Just a little kid, and he became the king of Israel. So God is in the business of making small things 
into really, really big things. That's what he does. And we see that throughout the entire scripture, okay? So you need to listen to this message tonight. It's important because the thing that God is building, that Jesus talks about in these parables, it affects you. It's not just a Bible story that we can read about and we can talk about it in the past like a character. No, you're, you're part of this play. And you're part of what God is building. So, um, what we're going to talk about tonight is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. So, whenever we say the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about God's people, right? What does a kingdom have? A kingdom has a king, first of all, right? Or a queen, right? And it has other people, usually has some gates. So, when we think about the kingdom of heaven, we want to think about God's people and Jesus is the king, God is the king. And the key to getting into that kingdom is through Jesus, right? He says in John 14, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. So Jesus is the gate, the door into this kingdom of heaven, okay? So turn in your Bibles if you're already there. That's awesome. Matthew 13, verse 31. We're going to start in verse 31. And before we dive into these parables, we kind of need to set the context, okay? So This is the third of the five discourses in the book of Matthew. So Matthew writes out five of Jesus' big, long speeches, and this is the third one, and this is called the parabolic discourse. It's all about parables, and that's what we're learning about in this series. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, or God's kingdom, is like seven different things. He says it's like seven different things, and he uses seven parables. He says it's like soil. Have you guys talked about the soil yet? The sower in the soil? Yes? Yeah. He says it's like soil. He says it's like wheat and tares. He says it's like a mustard seed. It's like leaven. It's like a hidden treasure. It's like a priceless pearl. And it's like a fishing net. So he compares it to these seven things. And these aren't, they don't say everything about the kingdom, but they give you a really, really good idea of a characteristic of the kingdom. Okay? So the two we're going to look at today are the mustard seed and the leaven. And this is happening. Jesus is standing on a boat, right? Just kind of like I am to you guys. Just Imagine the water. Imagine you're the disciples. You're followers of Jesus. You're Jews. You're interested in this Jesus guy because he's saying some pretty weird stuff and you're not exactly sure about it. But this is what he says, verse 31. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come, make nests in its branches. So the first parable he talks about is a mustard seed, right? And this mustard seed was super, super small, like super tiny, like the size of a pencil lead, just a little, little bit bigger than a pencil lead. And this mustard seed, he says, is super small, but this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It starts out really, really small, and it gets huge. And what happens was, is this mustard plant would grow into a super large bush. And average, they were like seven feet tall, but some of them got even up to 15 tall, 15 feet tall, which is like three of me, and they were super broad, okay? So basically, like as big as this stage and all the way up to the ceiling. It was like as big as they could possibly get, which is crazy, the fact that it came from such a small seed. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, it's super tiny, and these people knew what a mustard seed was. This was something that was really common to them, and they could walk around and look at fields and see these trees all over the place. So he's using something that is common to them. Super small seed, super big results. And we keep reading, and he tells them the next parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour 
till it was all leaven. Any of you guys like baking? Any girls like baking? Guys, it's okay to like baking too, right? Cookies, there we go, okay? So leaven is, is the same thing as yeast. You've probably heard of yeast before, but what a baker would do when they want to make a loaf of bread is they would take off a chunk of bread and just set it aside for a, a week, a month, however long they wanted to, till it would ferment. It would get sour, right? But that fermentation, it would grow this fungus. It sounds really, really nasty, but it would grow this fungus and they would put it into a new piece of bread, a new loaf of bread and dough, and it would permeate the dough and cause it to bubble up and fluff it up, right? That's exactly what happens, right, Jesse? Pretty much, yeah, okay. So they, put, they would put the old dough, the, I gotta be careful not to fall off of this stage because I kind of like to run around, but anyways. They would put this old piece of bread into the new one and it would fluff it up. And Jesus says, three measures of flour, that was 50 pounds of flour. So this one tiny little piece of leaven permeated, it expanded through and reached all 50 pounds of flour. And Jesus says, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. So how do we understand that? How do we apply what Jesus is saying about the kingdom and apply it to our own lives? Like, what does this mean? What was Jesus trying to say? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And if I had to sum this passage up in just one sentence for you guys, uh, the theme of these verses, I would say for you guys, you need to trust in God's sovereignty in growing his kingdom, okay? So God is in charge of his kingdom. He's growing his kingdom. It started out small. It's getting bigger. What does that mean? What does it look like? And that's what we're going to talk about, okay? So point number one I want you guys to write down is understand how the kingdom of God grows. Understand how the kingdom of God grows. And this is where we're going to dive into the teaching a little bit, right? What is what does it mean for this mustard seed to grow up into a big tree and for this leaven to make all of this dough rise? And when we talk about God's sovereignty, it's important to know that God's sovereignty is, is, is his power. It's his control. So he's powerful. He's controlling over how the kingdom grows, controlling over how fast it grows, where it grows. Everything is under his control. So when we're thinking about, you know, Jesus is just sitting on the boat. He's teaching the disciples and the Jews. We need to kind of put ourselves in the shoes of these Jews, or the sandals. They wore sandals, you know what I'm saying? But we need to put ourselves in their shoes and say, what, did, what were they thinking when they heard the kingdom of God? Right? Because when we hear kingdom, we think of knights and castles and kings and thrones and stuff like that, but they didn't have that back then. So what did they think of when they thought kingdom of God? And the kingdom of God was something that goes all the way back to the Old Testament, and there were a lot of different prophets in the Old Testament that spoke about the kingdom and what it was going to be like. And Jeremiah, Isaiah, David, they all had their ideas about the kingdom of God. In Joel 2, um, the prophet Joel, he says something pretty crazy. This is really, really crazy, but this is one of the ideas that these Jewish people had when they heard kingdom of God. Oh, the kingdom of God is coming. It's here. And this is what the prophet Joel says. He says, God's words, and God says, I will display wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, for there will be an escape for those on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, as the Lord promises among the survivors the Lord calls. So when people hear kingdom of God, they're like, oh, the moon's turning to blood and the, the stars are falling, right? The sky is going to get black, columns of smoke, God's judgment's going to be poured out. But that's not exactly what Jesus was talking about, right? So these Jews, they, 
they carried themselves like when the kingdom of God came, it was going to be triumphal for them. They were going to win, right? So subpoint number, number A, letter A, the kingdom grows unexpectedly, okay? So this kingdom doesn't grow like they thought it was going to be. So when I was in middle school, um, I played basketball. I was never really that good. I was this height in like seventh grade. So I was like number, I was like the five. I was like the center. So I'd get rebounds and stuff. But my team was pretty good. And there was this team that we would always play who was just terrible. Like they were so bad. And they were just pitiful. Like they couldn't make a layup. They couldn't shoot, couldn't do anything. And I remember one game we were playing against them and uh, we had beat them every single time. We were the big dogs, right? We're like, okay, we're going to go in. We're going to play this game. We're going to win. We're going to come out on top. And we ended up losing to the worst team in the league by like 20. It was really, really bad. And so we thought we were going to win, right? We thought we were better. We thought we were on the winning team. We thought that we were going to be above these guys, and we ended up being below them. And that's kind of how these Jews felt. They were on the winning team. At least they thought that they were, because the kingdom of God was, when the Messiah came, he was going to just get rid of all their enemies. He was going to judge them. He was going to set up his kingdom. It was going to last forever. It was going to be a time of prosperity. They thought they were going to win, but they ended up losing. And right now they're in bondage to the Roman Empire. So when Jesus comes and he's proclaiming the kingdom of God, they're like, wait, you're not doing anything. How are you the king if, if you're not getting rid of all of our enemies, right? So it was unexpected. It wasn't what they thought it was going to be. The Jews wanted Jesus to sit on the throne. They wanted him to be the king to vanquish all their enemies. And instead, what did Jesus say? He said, hey, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, right? Instead of talking about how Jesus was going to execute his enemies, he talked about how they were going to execute him. So it wasn't unexpected, the kingdom of God grew unexpectedly. Sometimes it's easy for us to ask, you know, God, why aren't you doing this big thing? Why aren't you doing this in my life? I really, really need this big thing from you. And these Jews ask the same question. God, where's the kingdom? We've been waiting for thousands of years. So sometimes it's easy for us to ask why God, we blame him for everything that's wrong in the world. But if we really trust that God is sovereign over his kingdom and sovereign over your life, that should be comforting to you. Even when you don't understand why God is doing or not doing some of the things that he does, you should trust that he's sovereign, he's in control. Subpoint B, the kingdom grows inwardly. It's on the inside. It grows inwardly. When we talk about the leaven, right, in verse 32, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour. So she's kneading it into three measures of flour on the inside. You can't see it. Leaven is not something that you can just point out and say, oh yeah, that's leaven right there in the bread because it's just through the whole bread. It just makes more bread, okay? So it's, it's invisible, but you can tell that it's leavened bread. So Jesus says it's, it's not something you can see. The Pharisees thought when the kingdom of God came that they would be able to see all these signs, right? We talked about the moon turning to blood and we talked about columns of smoke and God's wrath and judgment coming down on his enemies, right? And they thought they were gonna be able to see it. But Jesus says in Luke 17... He says, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. You're not going to be able to see it. You're not going to be able to point to it. He says, you can't say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So this kingdom is not something that you can just join by walking into it. 
It's something that happens on the inside. Have you guys ever had like a hat on or something and you're looking everywhere for your hat and you don't realize it's on your head? Right? Has that ever happened to anybody? I'm sure it's happened to you if you wear hats a lot. Yeah, you're like, where's my hat? Where's my hat? And you don't even realize it's on your head, right? Happened to you too, probably? No, it happens with a backpack. A backpack? Yeah, exactly. Something that's on you, but you don't remember that it is. You can't, you can't feel it. You can't see it. One time my dad, he, he lost his phone. So he picks his phone up out of his pocket and calls my mom. He's like, where's my phone? Can you call my phone? I can't find it. Just the dumbest thing ever. He didn't even realize that he was on his phone calling my mom, right? And the Pharisees, they thought they're looking for this kingdom. They're like, where is it at, right? They can't find it. Jesus says, hey, it's inside of you. You're already, it's already here. So you're looking for something that's already right there next to you, and you're, you're just blind to see it. So the kingdom of heaven, it grows inwardly. It grows on the inside. So if you claim to be a Christian... The question I have for you is, if you, if you say, hey, I believe the gospel, I believe in Jesus, he's forgiven me of my sins, I've repented, I'm turned, I've turned from my sins, then I would ask you, what, what can you see differently on the inside? How have you changed because of the kingdom of God, right? Are you different? Do you do things now that you didn't used to do, like reading your Bible and praying? Or do you not do things now that you used to do before you were saved? I'm sure we could all all of our leaders in here, we could probably say something that we used to do that we don't do anymore because, hey, we got saved and we can see it on the inside. So if you claim to be a Christian, the Bible says, hey, the kingdom is inside of you. It's, it's working on the inside. Just like that leaven, it moves through the dough on the inside. You can't really see it over time. Over time, you can see the difference, right? The change. Letter C, under number one, the kingdom grows massively. It's huge, Okay. So the mustard seed grows very, very big. We already talked about it gets 15 feet high. And one writer says you can even walk, you could even go under it like on a horse. That's, that's how tall it is. It's just massive. So think about how much Christianity has grown since Jesus was born, right? It all started with this one baby in Bethlehem, and then it went to 12 disciples, and then it went to 150 people, and then it went to 3,000 people in Acts, right, when the church first started, and now millions and millions and millions of people have become Christians. Why is that? Because it started out small and it grew big and it went across oceans to get to you, right? That's crazy to think about. You're sitting in this room right now because of Jesus from Nazareth in Palestine 2,000 years ago. Really, really cool. It starts small and it gets really big. So... Jesus uses the example of a mustard tree to show how big the kingdom of God grows. God's reach is so, so massive and so much bigger than anything we could have ever done. He's sovereign over it. He's in control over it. And John, in Revelation, he sees a vision of the kingdom of God finished, right? And in in Revelation 7, he says, Behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's God's kingdom. It's his salvation, right? So we see John's, from John's vision, a massive number of people standing around the throne of God from every tribe and language. So God desires for all people to be saved. He wants the gospel to get out. And this massive kingdom grows only from one person. It all started with Jesus, and he's the perfect example of starting small and getting bigger. Before Jesus came to the earth, 
right? He was up in heaven with God. He had to leave all of that glory to come to earth. Very, very humbling. And that's what Paul talks about in Philippians 2. He says, Jesus didn't count equality with God something to be held on to. He said, I know I can be equal with God. I know I can stay up here in heaven, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go down to earth and become a human and be born in a dirty manger so that all of these people can be saved. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus comes down as a baby and is born in a manger, right? And he ends up being exalted above everybody else. He started small and he became bigger. And that's what God does. He's in the business of humble beginnings. So in what ways in your life can you humble yourselves like Jesus? The Bible says God resists the proud. God stiff arms the proud, right? But he gives grace to the humble. So are you humble? That's my question for you guys. Or are you prideful? There's only two. Two options. And we know that God hates pride. So how can you be obedient like Jesus was? How can you humble yourself like Jesus did? Point number two we're going to talk about, now that we understand how the kingdom grows, we need to participate in the growth of the kingdom. Participate in the growth of the kingdom. That's point number two. So, in verse 32, Jesus talks about these birds coming in to the mustard tree, right? And if this mustard tree is God's kingdom, if the branches are spreading and people are being invited in, these birds are coming in, right? But one day, God's kingdom is going to stop growing, And the Bible talks about the rapture, right? God's people, the kingdom is going to be raptured up and taken with God. So my question for you to think about is, are you part of God's kingdom? Are you one of the birds that are in the tree? Have you made your nest in your home in God's kingdom? Only God's kingdom is a safe, fully supporting place for you to be. Now, there's a lot of other things in this world that are going to compete for your attention, right? You might say, yeah, God's kingdom is cool, but like, Video games, man, they're so cool. You know, some of you guys, right? Or maybe girls, you're going to compete for attention of other people. Or something else, sports can get in the way. But sports can never die for your sins, right? A football, a basketball, Instagram can never die for your sins. Jesus is the only thing that, can die, that died for your sins. And so he's the only thing that's worthy of your praise and attention. And I want you guys to understand that if you're not in God's kingdom... If you haven't believed in Jesus, the Bible says you're already condemned. And what does it mean to be condemned? It means your sin, your guilt is still on you. It hasn't been removed. So John 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, Whoever believes in him, he's talking about himself, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, if anybody's not part of me, they're not part of my kingdom, they're condemned already because he's not believed on the name of the Son of God. That's John 3.18. So again, if you're not part of God's kingdom, the Bible says you're condemned. But if you are, Romans 8, Paul says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So all of the people who are in God's kingdom, all of the people who are saved, who believe in him, who have responded to the gospel the right way, there's no condemnation for you. And that's another comforting thing. So are you one of the birds in the branches? Have you made your home in God's kingdom? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? That's the most important thing 
that you could ever get out of this sermon, okay? And if that's something that you're like wondering about, you need to talk to your leader. You need to make sure that you're a Christian. There's no more, there's no decision that's more important than this, okay? So letter A is join the kingdom. Letter B is patiently work for Jesus. So because Jesus hasn't returned yet, the kingdom of God is still growing, right? But as soon as that kingdom stops growing, Jesus is going to come back and the rapture is going to happen. So the rapture hasn't happened yet. So what does that mean? The kingdom is still growing. God is still reaching out, saving people. So Jesus told his disciples to continue working for him while they waited for him to return. Likewise, we should also be witnesses and take the gospel to other people. Um, Do you guys have chores you have to do at home? Your parents make you do chores. One of the worst chores that I always had to do when I was a kid is dust. And I would have to dust everything. I was just the dust machine, okay? We did windows. We swept the floors. We had to scrub, like, the baseboards on the wall. Like, my mom is kind of a clean freak, okay? So I dusted everything. And I would go to my, my bedroom and I would dust. And I would go to my parents' room and I would dust. And my sister's room and I would dust. And my brother's room and I would dust. In the basement I would dust. In the kitchen I would dust. In the living room I would dust. I would dust the whole house. But when I was done, I would go up to my mom and I'd say, okay, mom, I'm done. 12 hours later. No, I'm just kidding. No, I would go up to her and I'd say, okay, I'm done. Put the dust rag down. Go run downstairs. Play the Wii, Mario Kart, whatever. This is Wii still? You still thing? Not really. Okay, well, anyway, Xbox, Call of Duty, Fortnite, whatever. Okay, so I would go downstairs, and my mom, I could hear her voice. I could just hear, Kaden! And I would say, oh. And she would like, did you get this? And I would like, oh, I forgot. So I have to run, run to, you know, the office and clean the desk. Okay. Run back downstairs. Kaden. And this would happen, like, every week. And she would go, and she would put her finger on the the dresser, and if there was dust on her finger, I had to start all over. It was bad, right? But I was working just for my mom. But can you guys imagine how important it is working for God and God's kingdom and growing God's kingdom? And I would work so hard so that I didn't have to keep doing it. I wanted my mom's approval. I wanted her to say, good job, right? We long for the approval of people that are in charge of us. And so I would want to do a great job for my mom. And we should also want to do a great job in God's kingdom, so that one day we can get to heaven and he can say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. There's nothing better than that. So satisfying, right? In Acts 1, the disciples asked Jesus a question. Jesus had died on the cross. He had risen from the dead. He'd been with them for a while. And he's about to ascend into heaven, and they ask him, Lord, so are you going to bring the kingdom right now? The kingdom's here, right? The kingdom's coming, right? You're bringing it right now. And Jesus looks on them with grace and he says, hey, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed. Remember, he's sovereign. He's in control by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria to the end of the earth. So these disciples, where they were concerned about the kingdom, they said, okay, You've died, you've rose again, you have a lot of power now, like you could be the king of the world if you wanted to. Can you establish the kingdom now? Is it coming now? And they were so just, they were just ready for the next thing. They were ready for Jesus to just start the kingdom. And he says, hey, don't worry about that. There are still more people that need to hear the gospel. And you guys are going to be my witnesses to the end of the earth. So what can we learn? What does this look like? Well, for you, it means not being anxious about what's happening next, right? Right? 
It may look like inviting your friends to church, reading your Bible, staying in the Word, right? Having somebody that you're accountable to, somebody that you can confess sins to and grow in your relationship with Christ, right? It's important to remember the illustration about leaven here because leaven is all about influence. Jesus is saying, hey, I know you guys want the kingdom to come. I know you guys want to just get to heaven already. I know you guys want the next big thing in your life. I know you guys want to grow up, get out of middle school, get a high school, get a car, get married, have kids, have a dream house, have a golden retriever. I understand that, right? That's what we all want. But Jesus is saying, hey, don't worry about that. You still need to work for me. So when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do, and that's continue God's kingdom work. So when we talk about leaven, it's influence, right? There wasn't one piece of the dough that was not touched. They don't put the leaven in to the bread loaf, right? You got a loaf, put the leaven in, it just, it goes through the entire thing. So it's, it's permeating, it's, it's like distributing. It's like water in a sponge, it just permeates, it fills the whole thing. So my question for you guys is, what is your influence like? Are you a good influence on other people? Or are you a bad influence on other people? Would people say that you're a gossip? Or would people say, no, that guy, he, he really says good things about people. He's, he's truthful. Would people say that you make them feel good or bad? Because you have influence whether you like it or not. And if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, he is just like that leaven permeating your life. He's going to start changing things about you. He's going to start making you more into Christ. That's, that's a promise from God. The Bible says if, if you're in Christ, if you are in the kingdom that you're predestined to become like Jesus. You're going to be more like Jesus if you're in him. So what is your influence like? What do people think about you? Um, in 1923, there was a dog named Hachiko. And we call him Hachi in the U.S. But this dog, he lived 100 years ago, and every single day his owner would go to work on the train and Hachiko would go to the train station and he would sit there and he would wait eight or nine hours every day for his owner to come back. And he was faithful. And one day, his owner died and he didn't come back. And so Hachiko stayed at the train station waiting for him to come back. He didn't know. He didn't have any idea. But he stayed at the train station for nine years and the entire town recognized this dog and they recognized that he was faithful to his master. So... I don't want you guys to overestimate or underestimate a lifetime of being faithful to God. We all want this big experience with God, right? We all want God to just come in and just fix everything in our lives and just, just, just make us good, right? We want, we want to have a good life. But we overestimate that value so much of a one-time meeting with God. We underestimate the value of faithful service to Him for years because the Holy Spirit's going to work through you and change you over the years. He's going to sanctify you. So just like that dog, I want you guys to be faithful in waiting for Jesus to come back. Be faithful to Jesus, right? Work patiently for him. Wait for him to come back. And people will see it. People will see your faithfulness, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word, first and foremost. We thank you for the parables that you taught about uh, the mustard seed and the leaven and what those mean, God, just about your kingdom growing. I pray that we would trust in you and your sovereignty alone um, and your control of the kingdom. God, I pray that we would continue, Lord, if we are saved, if we are 
born again, God, that we would continue working for you. And if we aren't, Lord, that first and foremost, we would, we would get placed into the kingdom, that we would respond to the gospel in the right way. We thank you for dying on the cross for us and our sins. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Compass Bible Church. And we love you. We thank you for all your blessings. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.